Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Misha Fisher, Chief Economist of Angie. Overseas conflicts are impacting gas prices while we're already facing high inflation rates. The cost to run your business has increased at a time when you're already short-staffed. It's a challenging environment to be a remodeler, but demand is high and opportunity is great. Misha is here to talk about some ways businesses are adapting to overcome the challenges and take advantage of the opportunities of today's market. And we'll hear what they are in just a minute. Come on! You just mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. How about a fresca? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. You sure are. How are you today? I'm good. So here we are. We're rising above the clouds to a 30,000-foot view of our industry. That's fun. You know, it's always fun digging into the nitty-gritty and the the feet-on-the-street stuff, but it's also exciting and, and, you know, jazz me up to get some of the you know, bigger picture stuff going on. Well, there's plenty of picture to look at. No (laughs) kidding. Things are going nuts, right? Yeah, all over, man. Yeah. All right, let's dive in. All right, jump. Misha (laughs) Fisher is the chief economist at Angie. He's leading market research on consumer spending behavior, labor market dynamics, and residential housing trends. He's here to talk about rising costs, and we're all seeing them, how they've changed, and what you can do to manage your business through this volatile period. Hey, Misha. Thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, great to be with you both again. This is always fun. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'd we'll love to have you on yearly. We'll just sort of set up an anniversary session. There you go. <laughs> so talk a little bit about what's going on in the marketplace, and, and we could kick it off with some of the effects of the gas prices. Yeah. So the gas prices are front and center for everybody because we all not only see the price every day when we're driving around, we, of course, have to absorb the price about every other day or every third day, depending on how much you're driving to top it up. And, you know, 288 a gallon last year. Now I think we're about 425 a gallon this week. That's a pretty big increase. Right. I'm I'm sure most people have not raised their their rates by that much in the last year. So it means you're your profits going down. And we actually we, we, we checked in with our network and said, hey, what do you think is happening with gas prices? Is it impacting your business? Are you going to raise rates? And it's kind of yes, yes, yes on all three of those. So we found almost unanimous among pros that they're seeing the higher gas prices impacting their business and that they think they're going to go higher in the coming year. And then about three quarters said that they're going to have to raise their rates as a result of it. So even though, I mean, I was reading or hearing, I guess, on a news show last week that prices had dropped by 11 cents or so over the course of a week. I know it's very volatile, but what do the pros do when it goes back down? Do they lower their prices again? I think that right now, lowering prices is maybe a generous thing to think about, but it doesn't seem like it's a big problem with the industry. We've got this unique quirk in our industry where people sort of get booked up and then they just stop stop taking clients. And that's not typically how a market's supposed to work, right? If you go out and buy a a new smartphone, the smartphone company doesn't tell you, you know, there's a lot of demand for smartphones. You're going to wait four years. That's not usually that, you know, they make sure that the price works out so you can buy one when you want it. And I do think that our industry, we really should think more about this. You know, it's, it, it feels a little more sporting to sort of say, this is my rate and that's what I'm sticking with it. But if you're booked up years out, you should, you should really be reflecting on the trade-offs you get and saying, you know, if I raise my rates, do I shorten that pipeline in a way that allows consumers to actually be served by me when they're when they're ready to, if they're willing to pay that higher rate? So that's kind of a 
a side point about the pricing. You know, on gas, it's they'll go up and down, but you know, the long-term trend will still be up. And having some sort of mechanism to really intentionally price that in there, you know, we're in an industry where people aren't typically driving around in Priuses. We're driving around in in bigger, heavier vehicles that use a lot of gas, that use tools, right? Even if you're not talking about your truck, if you're talking about some other equipment that uses gas or diesel, then you know, you should have a, a capacity to price that in there. Don't expect necessarily the price, even if it drops by 11 cents a gallon, to drop by another dollar forty a gallon. That's probably unrealistic. So talk about materials in general. I mean, materials are going up all over the place. Lumber, again, has been very volatile over the last couple of years. What are you seeing are the major impacts and how are people dealing with it? Yeah. So the overall top line inflation, 8%, right? That's what people are talking about right now. But if you talk to a lot of people in our industry, they're not they're not seeing things grow up by 8%. They're seeing rises a lot more than that. And if you just look at building materials specifically, the price increases are 30-ish percent in some cases right. year over year. And obviously on lumber, like you said, that's even higher. And the the commodity price commodity prices are notoriously volatile anyway, regardless of what they are in, in every industry. But if you look at the demand for new houses coming down the pipeline and new houses use a lot of lumber, right? I mean, we use it in the modeling too, of course, but you know, we're not framing out a new house from scratch typically. And that, that uses a lot of framing lumber, a lot of OSB and, you know, for cabinetry, a lot of plywood, the capacity to bring all that stuff up and, and build new mills and transport it from, you know, the areas where we've got all the mills and all the trees, it, it's not, it, it's not like we can scale those things up at 30% year over year. It's very expensive and time consuming and a long process to build a paper mill or to, to build a lumber mill. And as a result, I think that we have to be pretty realistic about what's happening with those prices in the long term and not necessarily expecting them to drop to what they were for the last decade following the Great Recession. Following the Great Recession, housing was hit the hardest. We dropped from you know, close to 2 million homes a year being built, uh, new homes to, you know, around half a million. So a really, really big reduction. And we had all this capacity online from all these mills that were producing this. There's been a lot of consolidation in that industry and there's sort of a limited production capacity. And as a result, I think that we have to be realistic about what a two by four is going to cost us over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, I'm personally not necessarily expecting them to drop back down to $2 a two by four like we had before the pandemic. Okay. So you're seeing increases there increases in gas what about labor what are you seeing in late in in the whole the whole issue of labor shortage and prices and wages and so on labor is a really tricky one because it was already a problem before the pandemic right nobody was talking in 2019 about how easy it was to hire a skilled tradesperson right if you were right. trying to grow your business that wasn't something that that people were typically saying and if somebody was trying to hire a really good remodeler that wasn't uh, the easiest thing to do and then the pandemic only made it worse. By our metrics, it made it about 10% worse, which is impressive because it's already really, really bad. So to take something that's already at that high baseline and make it even worse is, is no small accomplishment. But what's really odd is that wages aren't rising like other things. So if you look at the inflation in goods and raw materials and transportation, all that is up way, way uh, high from, from before the pandemic. But if you look at what we're charging and paying for the labor in the industry, it hasn't risen by as much. And, you know, there's a case we made that maybe wage rates have to go a little higher to pull more people in. We do pay a nice premium over the rest of the labor market, but the premium isn't necessarily as high as it used to be. So even though we're paying double, maybe we should be paying, you know, 
to what we what we used to be uh, relative to what other people are earning. And that's especially true when people now have the capacity in other industries to work remote from a laptop. Maybe that means we've got to kick up our wages a little bit higher. And that's not necessarily saying that the that the wages have to rise by a tremendous amount to pull people in, but it does mean that maybe an extra, you know, dollar two or three per hour on average is what's required to compete with other sectors, given what they're, what they're paying people. So wages are an interesting one. You would expect them to rise a little bit higher, but I think a lot of people, there's a stickiness in terms of, well, this is a fair wage for a laborer and they're not factoring in that if house prices in your area just rose by 20%, if you want to be paying people who are living in that area, you might not have to, you might have to be raising your prices, but you know, that you're willing to pay people for their labor by, by a comparable amount. So it really kind of varies, but if you're struggling to recruit people and you've got a certain mind, there's a certain price in your mind of what is a fair wage, you might have to reevaluate that. So if, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that because so many other people and so many other industries can work remotely and have such flexibility and we can't in this industry, then we're going to have to pay more in order to get people away from those remote types of jobs to get into construction. And Potentially, yeah. Yeah. And we're not just competing with other non-remote jobs. We're also competing, obviously, with the restaurant industry and a service sector. And we have a lot to offer, right? We, I think we've talked about this in the past, that one of the things our industry really, really does well is it has a very high job satisfaction. People really like the work. But if you're not working in it yet, you don't know that. You're not getting that. Right. That might be a good way to keep you in the industry. But if we're trying to pull somebody in who's working at a restaurant, not making as much money, but they really like the social environment. And in the past, they would have increased their wages three times if they came to the sector. And now they're only increasing their wages double. That might not be enough to do it anymore. So that's where you really have to evaluate. But labor markets are local. And so I don't want to speak in too broad trends based on your area. It's going to really fluctuate based on where you are. You might be in an area where there's a lot of excess labor and it's easy. I haven't heard that one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so well, and, and the and well, and the gas prices has to be negatively impacting labor, right? I mean, now all of a sudden, you got to drive around. It's not like driving to the same place every day. You got job sites; they're moving around. They're so your 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 employees are are hurting. Yeah, and that's another thing to think about: is our work is not all typically concentrated in one area. Like if you're building you know, a new subdivision and you know that that's where you're going for the next year or two. If you're moving around in between places and you're paying a whole crew to drive in, that's certainly going to have an effect. And you have to sort of plan through that. If you're saying, well, you know, I was remodeling this house. Now I'm remodeling this house and not necessarily appreciating that now a whole crew of people is driving twice as far, three times as far over the course of their day to get there. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point, Mark. So talk about the local markets for a little bit, because, you know, we're in our we have our roundtable members all over the country and they're in groups of non-competing geographic areas. So they're talking all the time about wages and so on. And it's challenging to figure out what is fair for your area versus a peer from another area. So where should they look? How can they find out if they are being competitive or not? That's a really, really, really good question, because I actually think that the big top line statistics that we get from the census and the federal government on this actually kind of miss the mark. I think they're too far behind and I don't think they entirely capture the diversity of work. What I would do as a, as a creative rule of thumb is get a good understanding of what, if you're just looking at a day labor, you know, like a standard or entry level day labor, get a good understanding of what the service industry is paying in there. And you can get that just from, you know, at roadside advertisements or calling around with job openings and at least double it. 
I think that that's, that's probably the best thing. And so, you know, I'm in Colorado right now. And if you look at some of the certain places to live, you know, the communities that certainly have a lot of remodeling going on and are sort of desirable places to live and what a McDonald's there is paying for somebody to go in and work, I think you'd have to double that to pull in quality people to your business. That's very really effectively. So I, that's I not thought of that. It's it's not it's not deep empirically reviewed science. So recognize this is just Misha's wild idea. But I think that that would be a good place to start because <laughs> okay. that'll that'll capture that you know they they're running something that's a really sensitive production business where they really need that labor coming in, and right. you're competing with something where you want people who are gonna not mess up a two or three dollar cheeseburger, but not mess up your your very expensive tiles around. So all of a sudden you right. you need to really be cognizant of of how attentive people are to the quality of the work. What is your exit strategy? In other words, what's the plan for your business once you're ready to retire? No matter how close you are to handing over the reins to someone else or perhaps selling your business, there are steps you should be taking now in order to make your company more profitable and more valuable when it is time to step away. This is Doug Howard, Director of Consulting for Remodelers Advantage. And I just wanted to let you know that we are now certified in the Value Builder System and can guide you as you start planning for your exit, no matter the intended outcome. If you would like to know more, go to www.15minuteswithdoug.com, that's the number 15, to schedule a free conversation with me to see if the tools and assessments we have available might be a fit for your planning needs. I look forward to hearing from you. So as prices are going up, rates are going up, uh, the cost of a job is going up, how should remodelers communicate that with their clients? Trust is the big one and pre-set expectations. How do you the, mean? The, so people get very grumpy if you catch them off guard yeah. and, and make sure that you communicate that. You know, there's this anecdote from an industry that's not really anything like ours, which is the health industry and what predicts people's sort of satisfaction or tendency to litigate with their doctors. And one of the things that's a really big predictor isn't necessarily, do they get something wrong? It's how well they communicated it. So keep in mind that you might be exactly right on the merits. Maybe you had some sub clause in your contract that said that you could escalate or add the prices on there, or if they had a change order, it was going to be X, Y, or Z. But really make sure you're you're repeating those things multiple times because people have busy lives, a lot going on, and they usually need to hear a message a couple of times. And so have that conversation right up front. And this is beneficial, I think, to your audience. I talk to a lot of consumer press, too, about what consumers mm-hmm. should do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that we certainly always try and communicate on the Angie side is get a high-quality pro who does this. Get a high-quality pro who actually talks to you about what's going on mm-hmm. and sets your expectations and trusts your capacity to make these choices and recognize that if you don't lock in the pricing now that might go up in the future and that it will cost them more when they do it. And so be that high quality pro who's really being intentional about communicating it multiple times. Once might not be enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now, what about interest rates? Uh, the feds just raised the interest rates last week. I think they're going to start or, you know, raising them by what a quarter point or something for over a period of time. So it's gradually rise. Yeah. 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 So the the debate was, do they do a quarter or a half? And then after the uh, uh, the war broke out in Europe, that was uh, that sort of switched. And now they they just went with the quarter because there's certainly some uncertainty right. associated with that. Sheesh. Yeah. So how is that going to affect remodeling or will it? Uh, I think it will affect it. 
there's, a, but it's a dual, it's a double-edged sword for us, right? Like a lot of things in economics. So on the one hand, when you raise interest rates, you make it more expensive on average to get debt and to grow, and to grow the economy, right? So the economy slows down a little bit and that can potentially impact people's earnings and buying power and, uh, and certainly the price of materials that are out there. So on the one hand, you might find consumers don't have their wealth growing by quite as much because of this. But on the other hand, it means inflation is going to potentially cool down. So then you don't have to worry about your prices. But on top of that, there's a really interesting effect that's coming into play with interest rates right now and mortgages. And that is that you've got a lot of people who just bought new homes, right? We all sort of knew that there's, there's this home boom from the pandemic, mm-hmm, right? But you've also got a lot of people who just refinance their mortgages, right? So maybe they bought before it and then they just refinance, they locked in that low rate. And if rates go back up to five or 6% for 30 year mortgage, and you have a lot of people sitting on two and a half or 3% 30 year mortgages, that kind of locks them in a little bit. That kind of makes them say, well, you know, it's, it's expensive to go get new money to go buy a new place. So maybe I'm going Uh, to mm -hmm. instead spend that money that would typically cost me to sell my house, you know, and if you're talking 3% of a, of a $354,000 house or more. Right. That's a lot of money to just buy and uh-huh. sell it. Right. And of course, now you've got a higher carrying cost of your mortgage on the new place. So the economics of remodeling sometimes makes a lot of sense in this, in this environment where rates are rising. So I actually think that it's kind of a tailwind for remodeling in particular. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, it, it seems like remodeling always gets to be on the good side of things. What do you think? <laughs> What a great industry to be in. <laughs> what a great industry. Better than housing, right? Just strictly housing? <laughs> I think I think it's certainly less cyclical, which is really nice. And you've got a lot more flexibility. If you're going to build a new house, you know, you got to go out and buy land and clear the lot yeah. and go through the permitting process. And if the local government's behind on permitting, that's a nuisance. And then you use a lot of materials. So if you do all of that, that's, that's a lot going on. But with remodeling, you can really sort of dial in what the market wants. And I think that that is definitely a big benefit of remodeling over, over new construction. See, we're, we're glasses half full over here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Always. Hey, Misha, <laughs> can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Uh-oh. How did you get to be an economist? I mean, how did you end up doing what you're doing? Uh, that's, a, that's a fun one. So I grew up on a farm and that was my sort of foray into doing things with your hands and how enjoyable that is. Mm-hmm. And then I went to school for, for economics and political science. And I worked for the United States Congress for about a decade. So if anybody uh, is annoyed by federal policy, I apologize in advance. <laughs> so I did that for about a decade. And then I was uh, I went over and headed the uh, Department of Commerce for one of the large states. And then I was the chief economist for that state. And that all followed going to graduate school for economics. And economics is it really sort of falls into two camps. You've got the, the people sort of think about models and it's, it's more of an academic exercise typically. And then you've also got the sort of strictly empirical economics where you just take various statistical tools and try and figure out what is going on, right? And economies are very big, very complex yeah. machines effectively with a lot of moving parts. And so some of those quantitative tools that economists have borrowed from statisticians can be really helpful to try and understand you know, what is going on what direction is it, move, is it moving? How big is this? Where are the trends? And uh, so that's how I, I got into it. So that would be very helpful, though. I mean, you could see where people like we need people like you to translate all that, the data and the statistics into anecdotal information that we can use in our businesses. So that's awesome. All right, yeah, great. that's that's why Angie has me. And I'm, I'm I certainly enjoy it. Great. Thank you.
Well, keeping the personal questions thing going, how about we do the lightning round? Let's jump into it. Hey, cool. And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. All right, here we go. 60 seconds on the clock. What is your favorite business book and why? Right now, it is a book called The Effect by uh, Nicholas Huntington Klein. And it's much more about trying to, how you figure out if something is causal or not. Right? We all hear the statistics. Uh, correlation is not causation. This is about what is causation. And it's a lot of fun because it forces you to think about things in a very, very deep way. Yeah, great. If you weren't an economist, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, I think I'd, I'd, I'd probably be on a farm somewhere. <laughs> what are you not very good at? Dancing. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? Desk, then car, then room. Do you sing in the shower? No. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Talking during a movie. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty good one. I like that one, too. Amisha, thank you so much for doing this. It's very interesting, and I, you know, I, I appreciate you including me on your mailing list for some of your, you know, your newsletters and news articles. It's very, very informative, so I appreciate you joining us here. Now, before I let you go, though, I would love for you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience and tell us why they resonate with you. Work hard. Don't be an animal. <laughs> nice. I think that might have been six words, but uh, I think that covers everything in life. You really are. You're going to be a much happier, more satisfied person if you work hard. And you're also going to be happy if people around you don't detest your being around them. And that's the, yes. the second part of that. Yes, for certain. All right. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being here. And we're going to get this out right away. And our, I'm sure our listeners are going to love it. So thanks. Great to be with you both as always. Is there is there any way that um, people can follow you or see what you're doing? Sure. Angie.com forward slash research. That's where we put out all our market analysis. And then you can also track me down on LinkedIn, but Angie.com slash research is where we try and really make sure we're being a resource for the community and where people can just get market analysis that if you were a great big company, you'd be paying a lot of money for, but this way you can just get it for free from us. And uh, we want to make sure it's the best science that's out there on the subject. Great. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks, Misha. (laughs) <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> did, did I, is there something in my teeth? <laughs> well, it's so funny because I can't see you. Right. You know, I can only see the top of your head. Right. And I just happened to look down at the screen and I'm not used to seeing that either. So I saw you nodding your head like, okay, that's my signal. And I was just totally not ready. So anyway, <laughs> here we go. So, so you so. know, I really do think it's it's useful for everybody to think about the bigger picture and to drill down and how that's affecting their business. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you like that really well thought out response yeah, to that? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, heck, chief economist, man, that's that's something that's way over my head. I don't. Oh. When he starts talking about all that getting in the weeds stuff. That's why it's good to have someone that can just kind of lay it out more, right. uh, more layman's terms because yeah. you, you start to get a little googly eyed. Right. Right. You no, know? this is good. I'm definitely going to check out that uh, website with their research. The other place for research is that leading indicators of remodeling activity, Lyra. <laughs> They've got some really good research on their site as well. Um, and then, you know, we've had Craig Webb with web analytics on our 
podcast before, mm-hmm. and he shared some interesting stats as well. So I think it's it's a great topic for us to stay on top of and make sure that our listeners get a taste for it at least, even if they don't want to dive in too deep. They're, they're getting an idea of what's important to these economists who are looking at that big picture on our behalf. And is, is, is growing up on a farm kind of like a thing for economists? He, he said it like, well, obviously I grew up on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd go back to a farm. I don't know. I grew up in farmland, not on a farm. But man, that's hard work. Yeah. Well, you're not, you're not going back? No. No. <laughs> You're good, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. good. Yep. I'm good. Well, I'm good. That was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. As fun as I would expect it to be. I, I, you know, when I hear chief economist, I thought, well, why don't you do this one by yourself? <laughs> but Misha's good. Yeah. He's great. Yep. So it was fun having him. We uh, want to thank him for sharing his insights. And of course, we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.